Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. My, oh my, it is good to talk to you guys here on an AFC Championship Edition of the 615 Sessions. The Tennessee Titans, their first conference title game in 17 years. They will head to the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. I will continue to have the best coverage for you, but all of our AFC Championship Week coverage here on the 615 Sessions is brought to you by our friends at TennesseeTickets.com. Listen, they are going to give you $30 off on your order at TennesseeTickets.com with the promo code AFC30. That's AFC30 at TennesseeTickets.com. No hidden fees. The best way to get a deal on your Tennessee Titans tickets, all your sporting event and concert ticket needs at TennesseeTickets.com. They are going to present our coverage here on the 615 Sessions during this conference championship week and two fantastic episodes that I have prepared for you. Jim Wyatt, Joe Rexroad, and Cam Wolf of ESPN. Let's go ahead and get it started. Back by no one's demand but our own, not though, from the home office in beautiful Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. We are deep in the bowels of St. Thomas Sports Park here on the 615 Sessions. Jimmy Wyatt, the great one, at Sports, titansonline.com is where you read him. And my Lego-haired nemesis, Joe Rexroad of The Athletic, at Joe Rexroad on Twitter, Kind enough to join me here on the pod. What's up, boys? Doing great today. Lego-haired nemesis. That's a you just jealous compliment? of me. Right, well, that's fine. That's actually I thought that was one of Buck's few funny jokes. But you're kind of <laughs> jealous of my look at my beard that I'm growing. It's my playoff beard. You know, I like a little spotty, scratchy hair over here. It's know? like Joe Dirt. Does it grow all? Does it grow in all white trash like that? Like, is it intentional? <laughs> this this awful goatee. This being an audio medium, I have to describe it for the. We people can take at home. a picture and put it with this if you'd like. In fact, I'm sure I will. This because what would do better socially than a picture of you with this god awful goatee? My on big your face? fat hairy face. I should grow a goatee though if I'm really going to go all the way Joe Dirt on it though. <laughs> we are not here, however, to talk about Joe Rexroad's facial hair. We are here to talk about the Tennessee Titans in an AFC championship game. We will do that with Joe and Jimmy over the course of this podcast. First, though, we will go to an interview with our dear friend Cam Wolf, who is in town, formally covering the Tennessee Titans, now here for the week because Ryan Tannehill doing amazing things. First, Cam Wolf here on the 615 Sessions. Back here, 615 Sessions Podcast, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Very happy to have one of my old friends, Cameron Wolf, ESPN.com, covering the Dolphins and in town because a former Dolphin is one win away from a Super Bowl appearance. 
Brother, I appreciate you stopping by. My guy Buck, what's happening? Not much, not much. I know this is a, this is a little different uh, weather-wise than uh, sunny Miami, but we're happy to have you back. Uh, and it's an interesting angle that ESPN's got you working here uh, at St. Thomas Sports Park. What is, I guess, what is the vibe from Dolphins fans? Because I saw your column, and you, of course you can read Cam at ESPN.com. The column is available to you now about Ryan Tannehill finding his new team in the absence of, uh, of, of the Dolphins, who are looking now for a new quarterback and paying the bulk of Tannehill's sal- uh, salary. What do, do Dolphins fans root for Ryan Tannehill? I, I think it's a complex uh, issue for Dolphins fans because they're like a, a torn ex. You know, you get an ex-girlfriend, uh, you break up with her after a really long relationship, and, you know, you say you want her to do well, but, but she does really well immediately after you guys break up. There's got to be some feelings there. And I think that's what Dolphins fans are going through. They're like, why not us? Why couldn't it happen with us? Uh, why'd you have to go with the new the new guy to 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 get all the places that we wanted to be? So I think Dolphins fans are torn, but I, I don't think they should be. I think, you know, it just wasn't a fit. I don't think there should be any regrets of why did we trade Tannehill. I think it was the you know, it was time to move on for both sides. So there's no reason for them to be bitter or angry. They just gotta find their guy, because Tannehill wasn't their guy. He's a Titans guy right now, and, you know, the search goes on for them. Uh, in my feelings, football. My favorite kind of football, no question about <laughs> it. I, uh, it's, it's so bizarre, Cam, that, that Tannehill, who I think most of us would agree, injuries uh, plagued him a little bit in Miami, yeah. and you can, you can make the case of coaching maybe not the best fit for him. You have you have intimate familiarity, having gone from covering the Tennessee Titans for ESPN to now the Dolphins. You have intimate familiarity with both organizations. You have seen him play for both teams. What is what is the difference in Ryan Tannehill from your perspective? I think it's the confidence in the team around him. The thing about Ryan Tannehill in Miami was that he was never a bad quarterback, and he was never the reason why they lost. The problem was he was he wasn't the reason why they he never was able to get them over the hump. And like you mentioned, some of it was injuries. Some of it was the team around him. But in their seven years together, he never once played in a playoff game. He led them to the playoffs once and then he got injured and Matt Moore lost that playoff game. So seven years of a quarterback and not having him play in a single playoff game is what Dolphins fans remember. They remember a 42 and 46 record. So they remember him as being a mediocre quarterback for a mediocre team. So I think this team um, has the offensive line, the running game, and the beast that is Derrick Henry um, to really support Ryan Tannehill's game. And we saw it this season where he had the you know highest passer rating in the NFL, and I think a lot of that came because he wasn't expected to be the superhero every week. And in Miami, too often, he had to be the superhero for them to win. So this team is a perfect fit for him because he can just be a guy that happens to play quarterback rather than the reason why they have to win. So I think that's increased his confidence. I think that's increased his, his efficiency. Um, and I, I think overall this, this team and this market is a, a much better fit for Ryan Tannehill. Well, and it's, you know, it's, it shouldn't be that surprising that 
players yeah. perform better when they feel less pressure. The ability to play loose is where a lot of these big plays have come from. And honestly, I don't understand, Cam, why more teams and, – and obviously nobody nobody else has a Derrick Henry. He is right. uh, an entity unto himself. But to make the quarterback – an ancillary piece to the team around him the way that the Titans have done. Tannehill obviously performing up to a level that we've never seen him play, but to remove a lot of that pressure from his shoulders, I think has done him all the good in the world. Oh, it's been absolutely wonderful. And I I don't know if he would admit it, but I think that him having to start the year on the bench, you know, was a pleasant, you know, uh, revelation for him because he's never had to compete for a starting job since his rookie year. He's just been he's been the guy. So him having to essentially go back down to the bottom and re-earn his stripes and then come back and not be expected to have to lift the whole team on his shoulders. I think that is has been wonderful for him. So um, I, I think that you're right. It's it's tougher to build a team um, where the quarterback is an auxiliary piece. And I think that's why you don't see more teams do it, because it requires you to be uh, solid to excellent on every other position. Uh, to sort of make up for, you know, not having a star quarterback. And the Titans, to their credit, and John Robinson's credit, have built a team where, you know, they have a really good defense, uh, a secondary that's disciplined, tough, and, and you know, ready to, to to make plays even against, you know, MVP quarterbacks and Lamar Jackson. And like you said, you who wants to tackle tackle Derrick Henry in, this, in the second half? Like, I don't. I, I wouldn't want that. Sure as hell not. <laughs> so, you know, you get in a situation where you're closer or you have a lead, and, you know, the formula for the Titans is is just ride the ride the big horse and it's over. And that's what they've done all playoffs. And I think that's why this team has a better chance than people realize to reach Super Bowl. Well, and you and I were joking uh, in the in the Titans media room yesterday, Cam, about, you know, the, a lot of things are different with this franchise since you left. Yeah. But still, nine and seven for the fourth year in a <laughs> row. It's like some things you just can't quite get away from. But, I mean, we've spent a lot of time – certainly here in Nashville, talking about all of the differences between this 9-7 and seven and the three 9-7s that have come previous to it. All winning seasons, all, uh, all, I mean, I think many, many NFL franchises would take that, certainly the one that you are covering now in Miami. But what to you, having seen both sides of this thing, what is the biggest difference between the team that you left here in Nashville when you were covering the Titans and the team that you now see before you? I point at two different things, and I think we've talked about number one a lot. Uh, Derrick Henry. Mm. Um, when I was here two years ago, and and I, you know, I think Derrick would admit this if you if he was being honest, he wasn't the same back. You know, he he often played like he wanted to be a 190 pound speed back. He would tiptoe a bit. He would you know run to the outside. He wouldn't play fully up to his skill set, and I think that held the Titans back. Um, now I don't I don't know if it's you know he ate he ate his Wheaties or he's talking more to Eddie George but he runs like somebody punched his mama and he's got to go to the end zone to find him. <laughs> um, that's that, that's how every play I see Derrick Henry run and and it's just a it's a it's a different beast he's a different player and I think you know when you have that rare of a player at that size that speed and runs with the running style that he does and and is actually a, has good vision good cutbacks like all the elements makes a running back great in combination of his size and speed that just makes you a team that nobody can prepare for because they don't face those type of teams so i think that makes the titans unique and i think that puts them to a situation where if they get up early they're very tough to beat 
Um, and number two, I think you got to look at this Titans defense. And I think this, they've been an underrated bunch for multiple years. But I think this year more than ever, they they seem to like have a certain cohesion um, to where everybody has their assignments. And I think I credit John Robinson for drafting uh, Jeffrey Simmons um, and when people weren't sure if he was going to play this year because I think he's really helped their front to where they have a lot of one-on-one assignments. They can't double-team Jarrell Casey anymore. So they can play man-to-man with any team on the defensive side of the ball, whether it's in the secondary or up front, and they can be bigger bullies. Like, they out-bullied the Ravens in their ball um, on on last weekend, and I, I think their defensive front and their secondary being able to be versatile and speedy and and, and play man-to-man coverage really helps them. Because they they may not have the best athletes, but they have the, the toughest and and most physical players, and that typically wins uh, in the playoffs. And the maestro or orchestrating them, Dean Pease, is not a bad uh, piece to have on your side either. Certainly, he has helped his unit has helped make a difference uh, in these two playoff games. While you're here in Nashville, what what have you done? Have you have you reminisced on any old haunts? What have you done since you've been back uh, back in Music City? Yeah, man, and I, I I had to get me some some uh, fried catfish sandwich. I got some a fried catfish sandwich from Ed's. Um, I, I'm going to get some Martin's barbecue later on the day. I'll get some hot chicken before I leave. Uh, I, I went back to my old stomping area in East Nashville last night to watch the college football playoff and got some five points pizza and, and, and hung out a, a bit on the bars in that area, Nobles and whatnot. So I'm trying to I'm trying to you know, reunite myself back to the city that I, I called home. So uh, I'll make sure to do that and try to catch up with as many people as I can before I leave out. Well, we're happy to have you back for as, as long or as little as you're here. But that, uh, that all that food, brother, that is not uh, conducive to a South <laughs> Beach bod. I will tell you that right now. Cam Wolf, ESPN.com. You can read him at ESPN.com, of course, as he uh, prepares for what will be an interesting offseason for the Miami Dolphins uh, and continuing to give you excellent Titans coverage while he is with us here in Nashville, at Cameron Wolf on Twitter. My brother, a pleasure as always, and we'll see you at practice tomorrow. Absolutely, man. Appreciate you. Before we get back to Rex Road and Wyatt at St. Thomas Sports Park and continue this Tennessee Titans conversation, a quick reminder that all of this is brought to you by our friends at TennesseeTickets.com. Promo code AFC30, that's AFC30, for $30 off your AFC title game tickets in Kansas City. I hope to see many of you there, and I hope that you will take advantage of the deal that our friends at Tennessee Tickets are providing you. TennesseeTickets.com, no hidden fees like StubHub or Ticketmaster. Get the best deal courtesy of our friends at Tennessee Tickets. Back here, 615 Sessions Podcast, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports, Nashville.com. Jim Wyatt, Joe Rex Rode here with me. What we witnessed in Baltimore is something that I still cannot believe happened. And I don't know, you guys have seen a lot more football. Jimmy, you've been here since day one watching this take place how how inconceivable was it i know retrospect being an easy thing to do but how inconceivable was it for them to go into baltimore against the top seed in the afc and do what they did i mean just the way they did it and you know with everything lamar jackson had done throughout the course of the season you know 
them scoring so many points, you know, having 12 guys go to the Pro Bowl. Offense seemed like it was unstoppable. They'd won 12 games in a row, and I think everybody going in felt like the Titans were going to get blown out. I think that was the national uh, narrative. You know, I saw Randy Moss pick the Titans to win. I didn't tell a lot of, not a lot of others. Titans legend uh, Randy Moss. Yeah, they did the same. Such but, a homer. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, just the way they did it, I mean, continue to ride Derrick Henry, something this team has done down the stretch. Continue to let Dean Peace put together a defensive game plan that allowed them to kind of take control of the game. And this is a team that's playing with a heck of a lot of confidence, playing with a lot of swagger. We've now beaten, you know, uh, you know, it's hard to count the Texans. I was getting ready to say you beat the Texans. And no, Sean but Watson. they needed Watson that did. one yeah. to get into. Yeah, they did. So it was a pressure pack game. But to beat the defending Super Bowl champions and then go and beat the Baltimore Ravens, uh, a heck of a two spot there. And, and I go way back, as you mentioned, I covered this team from 99 all the way up till now. And it was a, a memorable stretch from 99 to 2003 when they went to the Super Bowl and two AFC championship games, went to the playoffs four times in five years. A win like this past Saturday takes me back to those days when this team and the city was on fire. I'm going to use you guys as a focus group. I'm I'm going to write this either way, but I've been going back. At theathletic.com, well worth your subscription. Thank you, thank you. You know, I've been going back through past playoff runs, and and, and as I've looked at them, and there are some some obvious ones that stick out, I honestly think that if the Titans beat the Chiefs Sunday – and you would be talking about being the defending champs, 12-4, and four, Brady Belichick, best coach combo. Then you're talking about MVP runaway, number one seed, favorite to win it all. Then you're talking about a kid who's going to break every record. We know this, and you know injury can change things, but this is an incredible offense and talent also on the road. I think that this would be the most impressive run to the Super Bowl in NFL history. And I think you have to – I think you also have to – I think you have to win three games to even qualify for that because I know there are some other two-game runs. But you're talking about three games like that, back-to-back-to-back, go through it. There are some other contenders like the Giants in 07, the Packers in 10. I don't think any of them match up to what this would be. I'm fascinated, especially by the way that they're doing it because it's not like – it's just they're totally going against the narrative of what – NFL football is supposed to be in 2019 slash 2020. Like you asked John Harbaugh about it on our conference call ahead of the Ravens game. You know, is it kind of funny to see the narrative being that the the running game is dead in pro football, and then you have the Titans and Ravens doing what they're doing? Derrick Henry uh, is is the focal point of this team, and Ryan Tannehill has an as an ancillary piece to it is what makes this thing go. When you have a quarterback, not even 100 yards, not even 90 yards, passing in two playoff wins, his first two postseason appearances, it's it defies all logic that what we are seeing may not even be the best of what they can do offensively. And the red zone defense, the way that that's totally changed over the past couple weeks as it lulled in the middle of the season, I can't – I. I've been accused of being a Titans homer this uh, in the last month more than I have in my entire life, but I cannot say enough about what they've been able to do. And I, I mean, the Kansas City thing is impossible to imagine when you have a team uh, running out of fireworks at their home stadium because they're scoring so many touchdowns in that comeback yesterday as we taped this on a Monday. But if you stick your face into the buzzsaw twice, come out clean, why not do it a third time? I think there's still more that they got. I think there's more they got. I think, you know, what's what's 
crazy and what's interesting, I guess, is I think the national perspective is this is who the Titans have been all season. Ryan Tannehill's just kind of been a complimentary piece and just kind of been a, a game manager, and that hasn't been the case. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, uh, one of the big reasons why the team got into the playoffs. I mean, he had 391-yard passing game with the Chiefs. I mean, he, he ended the season – I mean, I'm sorry, against the Raiders and had a big game against the Chiefs when they played in Nashville and played really well down the stretch. He's proven – that he can get it done through the air. They just haven't asked him to do it because Derrick Henry's been on such a roll. And I think the game plan uh, the past couple of weeks has been to rely on Henry, try to run the clock, uh, pick your spots with Tannehill. And when Tannehill's been asked to do something, he's done it. And I think as you look ahead to Sunday, um, you know, based on how the first meeting went between these two teams, where Henry went for 188, um, and, and based on the way they play on offense, I think you're plan again has to be to ride 22 but but at some point Tannehill is going to be called on to make more plays and this may be the week because because the Chiefs you know the, the Titans have held their last three opponents was it uh, 14 13 and 12 points yes trends toward 11 for the Chiefs <laughs> I, I don't think that's going to happen on Sunday no matter how good this defense goes so the Titans are going to have to have to score and do their part on offense yeah I mean the thing is you know the the, the Ravens score that, that's, it's 530 yards and 12 points that box score makes no sense if you if, you know if you didn't watch the game none yeah it, it really doesn't but a lot, a lot of a lot of those yards also were you know once it got to 21-6 it, it, a different defensive plan for the Titans they knew that the Ravens would have to change i mean 59 passes for Lamar Jackson and th- but they knew in that game if you can get on top of the Ravens the Ravens do to every single team you change things on them and they are not comfortable and we saw it well the Chiefs Hey, you can go up twenty-four zip on them right away, and they're fine. They'll go on a fifty-one-seven run on you, you know. Um, so it's a different deal, but I think it's the same idea of you feed Henry, and he's going to run, and he's going to run well in this game. And you go for some seven-eight-minute touchdown drives. You got to finish him. Red zone. It'll be the most important thing in this game, just as the first two games for this team. I think red zone performance, both sides of the ball. But, yeah, I, I mean, I thought Tannehill, okay, Tannehill, the play-action game, the Ravens are going to stack the box more. You're going to see more. Well, I, I, I swear we're going to have to see it this week. I think we will. But, I, you know, the thing is, I think Tannehill, other than that pick at New England, I think he's played well, really well here. It's just, it's just you know, picking his spots because he hasn't had to do more than that. No, and he's made the plays that he's needed to make when they ask him to do it, right? The, the, the interception was a, was a poorly thrown ball in the direction of Corey Davis and the defender was able to make a good play on it. But uh, they, it's, I'm not quite sure what I'm most impressed with, but I think, I think it's got to start with Vrabel because we were at a spot earlier in this year when he was being put in game-deciding positions, when his decision-making was consistently called into question over the course of numerous uh, numerous instances uh, to the point where the fan base want, wanted him out as early at, as not – I mean, not that long ago. This is, it's, it's been a really, really weird ride, and I don't, I don't know – I don't know necessarily what the difference is because obviously we're not seeing all the things behind the scenes, but his his growth as a coach, I think, is one of the most impressive things. That and Arthur Smith stones, man. 
that dude to call the Derrick Henry jump pass to Corey Davis in a playoff game. That is one of the coolest things that I've ever seen. And the evolution of the coaching staff, I think, is as important because once they once the players saw that they or at least, you know, from an outside perspective, once they saw that they could trust these dudes and that they, you know, they knew what they were doing. I think it totally changed, and the rallying cry totally changed. And now uh, Mike Vrabel has more uh, NFL playoff wins than Bill O'Brien, who got bounced yesterday. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people judged Mike Vrabel just on his in-game coaching, and I, I get that. I mean, that's when your job's on full display in NFL stadiums and everybody's watching, and certainly he's made some decisions that you could question. I mean, some of the ones going forward and – key situations trick plays that didn't work I mean you can second go guess those all the time the only one I really fault them for was the one in Atlanta where they had a chance to go up by three scores and you know I think he even admitted later if he had to do that over again he would have taken the points but that's the only time he has this year (laughs) but but some of the other stuff is just who he is and it really helped get this team to where it is today and there's so much more to coaching than what happens on the sideline on Sunday it's about getting players to buy into your message week in and week out, getting players primed to be in a position that they're in right now, having players have your back and have each other's back. And we've watched how he works on the practice field. We know how he is on a consistent basis week in and week out. Players you know, respect him so much, and that's why this team is where it is today. And I think as he matures and has more years in the league, the stuff that happens on Sundays – He's going to get better at that and pick his spots a little bit better. But I think uh, some of the people who were calling for his head uh, back in week six or whenever it was, those people have gone pretty quiet lately. By the way, we've talked coaching for a few minutes now and haven't mentioned Dean Pease, who might just be you know, well, we dominating knew he was, as well as anyone we knew he was good, though. right now. We knew that That's guy true. was good. That's true. We did know he was good. But, but still, I, I like, said it incredible. before the game, jokingly, take, you know, taking a video for social media of Dean Pease uh, uh, stalking the sideline in Baltimore. I said, this man may very well be the MVP by the end of this game. His defense. I Again, it's one of those things where you can't necessarily quantify how they go about taking it to the next level. But that dude... And the, the way that he has them, just the ability to disguise and confuse quarterbacks, the idea that in two meetings with Tom Brady, that dude doesn't have a single touchdown pass against Dean Pease, that's insanity. Yeah, and I mean, the plan, look, I mean, this last week, maybe the game goes differently. If that pass isn't a little too hot on that first drive and the ball doesn't bounce into Byard's hands. I don't know. I mean, I'm always fascinated by, you know, football hypotheticals and what if one play early in a game doesn't happen to But the plan to string Lamar Jackson out, the way they executed that, getting David Long ready to come and play the way he did, and then just, you know, those fourth and one stops. I mean, that's some of that is just want to and, and toughness and grittiness. Jarrell Casey looking like vintage Jarrell Casey. Um, I couldn't believe that was his first postseason sack. I mean, I can because they haven't. They haven't. He specifically hasn't played in a ton of postseason games, but that that's crazy to me. But going back on Vrabel real fast, you know, I think, I think the one I would have a, if I had to pick one, it would be the Brett Kern fake punt where you know they're. I mean, he just got annihilated, and that should have been a fumble going the other way. You know, yes. that that was the one I was like, yeah, I just I don't see that because we saw the play. The linebacker just looked and said, oh, I'll go kill the punter now. Uh, but regardless, yeah, there was some. 
the, the thing with coaching to me is the macro I think we've known has been very good for Vrabel, right? Like you said, Jim, um, the teaching, you're out there. He, he, he has the ear of his players, the respect of his players. He's a teacher. Um, I, I think he knows – I mean, obviously he's been in championship locker rooms as a captain. I mean, there, all those things, leader of men, all that stuff, very strong. The micro – the still the micro at some point, if it, if it's – if it falters enough, I think, you know, players at some point are like, come on, man. I mean, even after some of those games, you're in the locker room a little bit, like, yeah, bailed, bailed Vrabel out, you know, after the, because they won that game, of yeah. course, like, you know, with the fake punt. Um, so, I mean, you still, the micro at some point will catch up with you. But, so I don't know if Vrabel has like changed or grown up or whatever, but all I know is the macro has been good all along. And now these plans and everything that they're doing in these two games in the postseason have been just, impeccable i mean and that's i mean look that's really where you make your bones in this league right i mean it's playoff coaching so it's amazing to think though guys i mean if someone asked you in october you know which pro head coach in nashville is more likely of losing his job that's wild you know at that point and now it's like vrabel is Lombardi part duh, you know. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's amazing how fast things can't change in pro sports. If they are to have success against Kansas City, and that's a big if as we sit here taping this on Monday, they're seven-and-a-half-point dogs, which honestly I, I would have thought more after what Kansas City did against the Houston Texans uh, on Sunday. But if they are to pull this off, Team sport, 11 men on one side of the ball, you have to – it has to work in, in – uh, in sync, but if you are to pinpoint one player who has to make the biggest impact, if they're going to pull it off, who would it be? Well, I mean, the easy one is Derrick Henry. I mean, I think he's just got to continue to do Again, what he though. has done. Yeah, I mean, and they know what's coming. I mean, that's the, but but I think everyone has known it's been coming, and it's he's still that's been able to have success. Part. Yeah, so I mean, I think that formula the formula they've used to win so many times of late has to continue to work. It's not just Derrick Henry. I mean, the offensive line deserves a lot of credit uh, for what's taking place and just moving the line of scrimmage and giving him room to operate, and and then he's kind of done the rest. Yeah, no doubt. The offensive line, as usual, they don't get talked about enough, but they, it's been that, – that line of scrimmage has been moving. Saffold, man. Oh, crushing people. Well, Conklin, too, I mean, you know, I mean, those guys – I mean, as a, as a run-blocking line, I think this is an elite line, you know. I mean, I still think when they're in obvious pass-pro situations, you know, they can be vulnerable, um, but they just – they've been able to keep themselves ahead of the change with this running game. But I'll just go with the other obvious one and say Tannehill because I think there's still a chance in this game – that the Titans are playing from behind, you know, are going to be in a situation where maybe they really have to rely on him. And and as they did in the first win over the Chiefs, down, what, 10 and then down 9, I think? Yep. A couple, you know, two-score deficits and Tannehill let them back. I think it's very possible Sunday that they're in a situation finally where they're not just, you know, suffocating a team with a lead and they've actually got to come out and let it rip, and I think he's capable of doing it. I'm going to go off the board here, and I'm going to say the one person who hasn't done a damn thing since he's been on the roster, Greg Joseph. The idea <laughs> that they have not kicked a field goal, not attempted a field goal in now five games, that's got to be some kind of NFL record. It's fantastic for them because they haven't needed it, but at some point I have to think that's going to matter. And the running back and the quarterback – are the most obvious, but I have to think at some point that's going to factor in. And I think that uh, when in a game 
where you're going to need as many points as possible because we all knew it was going to take more than four, than the 14 they put up offensively in New England to beat Baltimore. And they did that with Khalif Raymond and uh, and Michael Pruitt making a crucial catch on first down and, of course, Derek throwing a touchdown pass to Corey Davis, all of those things. But at some point, i got to think field goal kicking is going to matter. Yeah, Doesn't but, it? <laughs> well, I mean, you hope not. I mean, I'll say this. I mean, the Titans won a game down there in 2016 when Ryan Suckup hit a 53-yarder at the horn, and they won. And It was negative 50, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it was cold. And then they won down there again in 2017 in the playoff game where Marcus completes a touchdown pass to himself. They're going to have to score touchdowns in this game. I mean, if and if you're seeing Greg Joseph, um, the Greg Joseph show on Sunday, that's probably not – a good thing. Yes, I agree, Buck. At some point, they're going to have to rely on him to make some pressure kicks, but uh, they're going to need to score points this week. And, and after watching the Chiefs yesterday and the way Mahomes slings it around, and you know, there was one point where Kelsey went out with a hamstring, and I thought, okay, this this might be hinder them a, somewhat. A good development, and then he comes right back out and picks up where he left off. So they can score, and I think it's uh, you're being very optimistic to think if you're going to keep them into the te- in the teens like they've been able to do the last couple of weeks. Though Titans fans have been ratioing me like mad on Twitter for suggesting that this Look could be a Look at you tough- with the millennial term you got ratioed on Twitter. <laughs> Welcome- Is that right? Did yes, I, did I I'm, say right? I'm very proud of you. Greg Joseph's first attempt, I've, I've, I've seen it in a dream. It's at 35-yard uh, <laughs> line, two seconds left on the clock against the Niners. Titans down two in the Super Bowl. That'll be his first field goal attempt. I don't know. I couldn't, t- I couldn't see if he made it or not, but that'll be his first field goal attempt of the season. You two are professional writers. I am just some <laughs> slap that, inter- uh, that exists on the internet. Have there been more storylines, more narratives than what this team has had over the course of the season? Because not even just the playoffs, like with Winter Storm Henry on his birthday in New England. Now you have Kansas City, the team that you needed to beat to stay alive when they were floundering after that Carolina loss. That is the team that you're going to have to beat to go to the Super Bowl. You've got the first conference championship game that this franchise has played in in 17 years in the year of number 17 Ryan Tannehill. Kevin Byard's interception return against Lamar Jackson was for 31 yards for number 31. Like these things, I I keep thinking at some point, okay, that's cute, but this is not something that's sustainable. This, as you're saying, Joe, uh, it's one of the most impressive runs if they are to advance. It'll be one of the most impressive ones, but Damn, if they're not making it easy on us to tell the story. Yeah, and it's. It, I mean, I go back to you know the 2002 season was f- full of storylines. That team started off one and four and didn't have one player voted the Pro Bowl, and and uh, you know it looked like that season was going to spiral out of control, and they found a way to to win ten out of the last eleven and get in. That season ended with the playoff AFC Championship game loss in Oakland. And uh, and there have been some seasons over the years that have that have had a bunch of crazy things happen, but um, this season, you know, when people look back at it, no matter what happens from this point forward, is is going to be a special one in the minds of Titans fans, and uh, just how special it gets, uh, I guess, will be determined by dinner time on uh, Sunday night. Quickly though, Jimmy, how much how much do Titans fans? need that how much do they need that influx of hope and belief like the belief of it I'm not somebody who traffics in that kind of stuff like I think 
I think that kind of blurs the lines between what we do as people who cover uh, cover sports. But how badly does this city need that kind of just jolt of energy that we've seen when you guys are coming home on the team flight on uh, on Saturday and there's people waiting at 2.30 in the morning to welcome them back and to cheer them on? I mean, this is something that it seems like this franchise desperately needs for a variety of reasons. Yeah, and you know, I, you know, I know some players today. You know, it was Kevin Byard or Wesley Woodard or Joe Casey talking about the fan support and how good it's been. But then when you tweet those videos out, you know, some of the comments underneath them are from fans with snide comments. You know, just about well, where were all these great fans when your other team, when the opposing team is taking over Nissan Stadium? Yeah, but that's Twitter, Jim. Yeah, Twitter that's stuff. Twitter. <laughs> the Titans have some there. really good loyal fans who have been this team with this team from the very beginning, and they're with this team on the road every week. I see them in the stands. We we see them when we go to these games. So. I'm happy for those fans who are being rewarded for sticking with these team through some lean years. I mean, it was a th- you know a two and fourteen in 2014. It was a three and thirteen a year after that. It's my first year here. Yeah, I mean, there have been some lean years. You went from 2003 to 2017 where the team didn't win a playoff game. So, uh, so I'm happy to see those fans rewarded. It, you know. It hasn't been as bad as a lot of people have maybe led you to believe. I mean, if, to go nine and seven four years in a row, it could be a lot worse. You know, look around football. the league and see what you know when you, when you're talking about picking in the top five of the draft, and you're talking about whether your coaches can get fired on Black Monday. That's when you're bad. I, I think I'm, if you're a Titans fan, you have to be happy that this team is finally maybe starting to get over the hump from going from good to great, as Mike Vrabel described at the it's beginning back, of this baby. season. It's back, and, uh, <laughs> and I do think that I've noticed just the exuberance and the excitement watching some of these videos, the fan parties, seeing these fans on the road. I mean, this is what you live for, is for games like this. And I'm happy these loyal fans who have stuck with the Titans from the very beginning and the new ones who have jumped on board. I'm glad to see them uh, rewarded. Very disappointed Kaharski didn't ask a good to great question. After Saturday, that's because he's man. getting soft. He's getting soft <laughs> in his old age. I heard, I heard him singing along to to the Hamilton playlist. Like he's getting soft. I, I kind of expected if it had gone one and done in the playoffs, I expected a lot of well, does this qualify as going good to great? And then when you win another game, I, I think you can start to understand that maybe this team is taking those stair steps to wow. getting there. I'm they're not great. To say yeah, this, is, not, this is great. But they're not – you know, I think you got to get to – I mean, if, I don't think Mike Vrabel envisioned winning two playoff games and going home when he said that. I mean, he wants sure. to go that, win the AFC Championship, go to the Super Bowl. So but That's better than great. But yeah. yeah. But you're right. I mean, that, exactly. That's – in his mind, yeah, there's more work to do. But to me, I think this, they've done it now. They've gotten – I mean, this is a great year. This is a great team when you can do what they've done in the playoffs. And, and look, we know 9-7, and seven, they're not all the same. This 9-7 and seven is different. You made the quarterback switch, and you're not a 9-7 and seven quote-unquote, team with this quarterback. But you talk about, first of all, fan base. It's a young, small fan base compared to other NFL franchises. There is nothing you can do to change that. But I agree with you, Jim. I mean, I think in all the talk about other fans taking over the stadium, which, by the way, everybody wants to come party in Nashville, and that's part of that, too. That's why I moved here. Yeah, I got drunk on Broadway for the first time. I'm like, I'm never leaving this city ever. 
Same with me. You know, that's, why, that's basically why I came here to go party on Broadway all the time. Um, <laughs> the goatee shows it. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, but the, you do you you forget about they, they do have a really good loyal fan base, and they are. I mean, shoot, two years ago the the win at Kansas City that was an incredible turnout of Titans fans at that game, and they got rewarded. And storylines, guys, another one that I mean, to me that we haven't hit on yet, but it, it's John Robinson. You know, I, I've you know named them together Vray Rob. You know, Vrabel and J. Rob. This is like a celebrity couple? Yeah, basically. What Vray are you, TMZ Rob, This now? is the Vray Rob era. Vrabel and J. Rob. And, you know, <laughs> Vrabel is Robinson's guy. And Robinson got this roster to a certain point. Like you said, respectable. You, you can't sneeze at 9-7 each year. But still, even this year, it's like, eh, has Robinson really done Is he going to get him past the hump? You know, it's, you can get to that, but it's a lot harder to get to the next level. Well, now, I think you look at a lot of moves in a different light. You look at the Derrick Henry move in a way different light now than we did midway through the 2018 season, for example. But even, you know, go pick up a Tremaine Brock and look what he's doing for this team now. I mean, he's kind of on a hot streak again. And, guys, he's one win away from being officially a Super Bowl architect. You, you get that title for the rest of your career if you, if you get there and one I, time. And I – the kicker thing will be something that people cite if you're yes. because again Twitter is fair Twitter and it is fair Twitter is dumb and will ignore all the success because of the, you know things like the kicker but I, I think based on all of the things that he's done and the point that they have gotten I still think that dude deserved a look for executive of the year uh, in the NFL and I know the Ravens the way that they built around Lamar and all of those things. Uh, make a big deal or, or are a big deal, but it's really, really impressive from the fact, like Jimmy's talking about, four consecutive nine-win seasons from where they were when he first got here. Because each year that he has been here, they have won nine games, and all nine and or not all nine and sevens are created equal. Uh, but I continue to be impressed with the way that he put together this roster and that it's kind of built in for a reset regardless of how these things play out because they were prepared to having they were prepared to have to pay a quarterback at the end of the year turns out it's just not the one that we thought it was going to be yeah i mean getting tanny hill pretty much given to you that's the biggest uh, yeah. that's the biggest personnel <laughs> yes. move of this season yeah. ryan tanny I mean, so, so i mean that was uh, just crazy how that has played out and and in doing so you kind of give yourself a heck of a lot of flexibility moving forward with draft classes. And look at this draft class and look at some of the ones who are starting to really develop and you're seeing players play out. I mean, this team is, um, on one hand, is set up to really do some good things, but we also know that John Robinson's got a heck of an offseason in store for him with so many guys that are scheduled to be free become free agents that I'm sure he's hoping this run continues for a – uh, a long time for a couple of reasons. One, because you'd like to have it rewarded with a Super Bowl ring, and two, because he don't have to start worrying about that stuff <laughs> until uh, February instead of January. Get the checkbook out, nor Rob. Mercifully, nor do we. I thought we were going to be looking at mock drafts a hell of a lot sooner than we will have to be, regardless. At Jay Wyatt Sports, Jimmy Wyatt, the great one. TitansOnline.com is where you read him. Joe Rexroad, columnist for the Athletic at Joe Rex wrote on Twitter, well worth your subscription no matter how many nasty things I say about him. Boys, I really appreciate you doing this. You know, I was going to buy you all the food you could eat in Kansas City if you couldn't got, if you could have gotten Jimmy to say profanity 
on this podcast. <laughs> oh, I you didn't really try though. No, well, I figured. You know, I'm trying. I'm trying to not put Jimmy in a bad spot. Okay, it's not like Glennon where I can force a couple f bombs on him, and then by the by the time we're done with the podcast, I've pressured him into saying it. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, it's. It's one of those things, you know. It doesn't do me any good to sandbag Jim Wyatt. It doesn't that's, like that's a bad that's a bad look for me. I've never heard I've never heard him say a bad word. I was like swearing in delight at the crab cakes that you know John Harbaugh told us to eat Friday in Baltimore, but I've never heard him say a crossword. When's the last time you swore? Uh, probably yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> no, you swear under your breath. I'm uh, in the newspaper days. When I was working on deadline and dealing with agents and had breaking news stories all the time. Uh, smoking cigarettes, flask at the desk. I, I didn't, the uh, I didn't yeah. smoke cigarettes, but uh, I was, uh, you know, I, I have had to give up cursing for Lent several times. I'm Catholic, so a lot of times I'll give up cursing That's for Lent. Amazing to me. Uh, so Are you blown away by that? No, because I've heard my, him, I've heard him every spots. once in a while. I pick my spots. I've Usually heard it every once in a while when when we when and we will not name names, but when we had a few rule breakers in terms of tweeting out before the media was allowed to tweet things out at practice. I've heard Jimmy. I've heard Jimmy yeah, get his oh, back I've a little bit. A, uh, I've tried to be not my dad. My parents raised me well. Try to be polite and courteous, and uh, but uh, I've got a, a a mean streak uh, in me. Oh, that, shut uh, up, Jim! <laughs> yeah. You do not have a mean streak in yeah. you. I don't believe it. I yeah, do not believe it. Yeah, it's got to take a lot to get that out. Maybe what? Kaharski. <laughs> that, that brings out the worst in all of us. Boys, I appreciate you doing that. We will make the trip to Kansas City together, and we will see uh, what whatever, whatever we will see. Uh, we will see it Sunday afternoon uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, that's going to do it for us on this Tuesday edition of the 615 Sessions podcast. Shouts to the great one, Jim Wyatt. Shouts to Dirty Goatee, Lego-haired Ro- uh, Joe Rex Road of the athletic for giving me some of their t- uh, some of their time thanks to cam wolf our old buddy uh in town covering the tennessee titans covering the Tannehill angle of this as they try to figure out down there in miami whether they want to cheer on ryan Tannehill as he efforts his first super bowl appearance support the people who support this show that's tennesseetickets.com promo code remember afc 30 afc 30 for 30 dollars off your conference championship tickets in kansas city hope to see many of you there hope you will check out the deals that our friends at tennessee tickets are providing you at tennesseetickets.com remember as always if you would like to have a question asked and answered on the 615 sessions podcast you can do so on the itunes reviews you leave a five-star review in the uh, reviews on Apple Podcast, as long as they have a five-star rating, we will be sure to answer them for you here on the 615 Sessions. At the end of every show, this week's question comes courtesy to us of Skip 17 uh, Well, actually, this is, <laughs> this is my fault. This is from before... The uh, before the wild card weekend against the New England Patriots. This is from B Skip Seventeen, and actually it warrants answering anyway. So I'll be happy to do that. Will the Titans QB of the future be on the field Saturday night? Whether it is Ryan Tannehill or Tom Brady, who do you guys want to see in a Titans uniform next season and beyond? Uh, this is this is something that I'm happy to answer, regardless of whether this is from wild card weekend or not. And I promise. 
that I will do a better job of keeping track of your iTunes review questions. So make sure you submit them with five stars in the iTunes review, uh, and we will get to them at the end of every show. Tom Brady, uh, there has been no movement on the front of the New England Patriots to bring him back. He is a, a, a free agent as far as anybody is concerned. It's interesting to see that Tom Brady, I don't think necessarily is in a position or in a at a stage of his career, 42, although he is and will be 43 by the time next season takes place, I don't think Brady's necessarily done. I think that if they still had Gronkowski and that if Antonio Brown was on that team, Patriots probably win the Super Bowl. I think that's I think I could say that with a great amount of confidence because Brady, just when you watch that game against the Tennessee Titans when they eliminated them from the uh, from the wild card round, fascinating to see. The idea that Brady was still able to complete passes, still able to bomb things down the field, certainly at the end of the first half when he had a Hail Mary opportunity. The larger point being, when you look at Tom Brady, he could do things here in Nashville with a more complete team. Would I want him here? Absolutely not. I I am just now coming to terms with the idea that Ryan Tannehill, I don't think it's necessarily sustainable, the level that he's playing at, I think it's going to look a lot different when this team starts to lose a, a handful of pieces in the offseason, in free agency, when they have to make decisions on a handful of dudes. But I do think that to ride with a Ryan Tannehill at 31 for, let's say, a three- or four-year deal, depending on the, how the upfront money is structured, I think that's more beneficial long-term than what could be a one, maybe two year fix with Tom Brady. It makes a lot more sense for a team like the Chargers, who are in desperate need of selling uh, uh, PSLs and season tickets and jerseys and any kind of interest in the Los Angeles Chargers that otherwise does not exist. They desperately need some kind of interest there in, uh, in a, with a fan base that really not that interested in professional football when so much of the attention is on USC and UCLA. Really, even more of the, uh, more certainly more of the NBA with the Lakers and Clippers having the success that they are, that they're having. And honestly, Tom Brady could play for as cheap uh, or as little as he wanted to because of how much money he would make $150 million off the field as soon as he landed in Los Angeles because of all the endorsement opportunities that would exist for him there. So, larger point being, I would not take Tom Brady here in Nashville regardless of you know what that would do for the profile of the franchise i think long term you would rather ride with ryan Tannehill. thank you b skip 17 for your itunes review question remember that you can submit your questions for us here on the 615 sessions podcast i promise i'll get to them in a more timely manner if they come with five star reviews remember to rate review and to and to subscribe to the 615 sessions podcast wherever it is that you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play. We exist anywhere that we can get, uh, that you can get your podcast. I will be back on Thursday with continued AFC Championship Week coverage. Mike Keith, voice of the Titans, he'll be on the show. We will also be joined by one of the players. We're still trying to figure out who uh, will be able to join us logistically, but you'll have to find out and tune in then when we talk to you 
on the 615 sessions. That being said, I'm Buck Rising, reminding you, as always, to stay hot, Nashville. We'll be back with you on Thursday right here on the 615 sessions, presented by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. <laughs>